Welcome to The Daily Cut. I'm Trevor Lovell, one of the pastors here at Park Community Church. Throughout this season, we wanted to create something consistent that would help add even a little sense of rhythm to life. And so to do that, we've altered our use of this podcast, and essentially we have cut the pastor's cut. And instead, we'll be posting a short devotional every day. We hope you'll join us and we'll enjoy listening. This is The Daily Cut, and I'm Trevor Lovell. All right, it's good to be with you all. Once again, I hope you're faring well in this season. Today, I'll be sharing from Psalm 42, verses one and two today. And I wanna start out by reading that passage together. This is Psalm 42, starting at verse one. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Amen. So just a quick fun fact as we're getting started here. The book of Psalms is actually broken up into five different sections or five books uh, is actually what it calls them. And this Psalm, Psalm 42, starts the second book. And there've been a lot of questions and study done around the organization of the Psalms. Why these five books and why are they arranged in the way that they are? And while there are little pairings throughout, like Psalm 1 and 2, they serve as the intro for the whole book. Psalm 111 and 112 are, those are a pair. And there's little things like that throughout the the book as a whole. But for the most part, the Psalms are just kind of loosely organized throughout. There, There doesn't seem to be any grand plan that explains why each Psalm is exactly where it is. And so the question is, why this five book structure? Why use it if you're not gonna organize the Psalms more around it? Why is it here? because there's nothing about the groupings themselves that indicate any sort of design. But what we do see is that these five books of the Psalms, they correspond to the five books of Moses or the books of the law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Each of those collections has five books. And so there's this correspondence between them. And on the whole, there's a contrast because those books of Moses, they've always been understood as God's word, God's words to the people of God. The direction is from God to the people. And that's true of all of scripture, but in particular of those first five books. Whereas the Psalms throughout history, they've always been the prayer book of the church. And so they're not so much God's words to us, but the direction is the other way around. They give us language to use as we speak to God, as we pray. And so they kind of match up with the five books of Moses in that way, each collection presenting words in one of the two directions. And so as a whole, the organization into five books, it drives home the point that the Psalms are given to us to teach us how to talk to God, how to pray. They give us language for that. And that's why we have them. They're the prayer book of the church. But that's just a, that's just a fun fact as we're jumping in here. So enjoy that. And uh, let's actually jump into Psalm 42 now. So if you've been around the church for some amount of time, this passage right here uh, at the beginning of Psalm 42, it starts to get familiar. It's one that you kind of see in a lot of different places. And at first it always sounds really nice. It's a pleasant sounding passage. As the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. We read that and we're like, yeah, that's true. I do thirst for God. I have this desire for God. And we think about that. And then uh, we kind of walk away from that thought with this kind of pleasant feeling that this psalm has named our desire for God. And that for some reason, because the psalm has named it, we're satisfied about that and we feel good about it. It's surprisingly easy to approach this psalm in that way uh, and walk away in that way. But when we do that, we're actually missing what it's saying. We're missing the psalm altogether because if you go back and just look a little bit closer, you see that it's saying, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. And if you start to think about that, 
you get that the idea is of an animal, of a deer, looking for water, right? running through the forest, maybe trudging through the woods, dragging itself along in the midst of the heat, in the midst of exhaustion, trying to find water. But no matter where it looks, it can't find it. It can't find water. Like it's the middle of summer and the sun and the heat are so intense that they've literally dried up all the brooks and there isn't rain anywhere. There isn't water anywhere. And so the situation the psalm is describing, it's not a pleasant one. It's not a happy thing. The deer is dying without water and no matter where it looks, it can't find it. And the author of the psalm is saying, that's where I'm at with God. My soul thirsts for the living God, but no matter where I look, I can't find him. He's not there and I'm dying without him. That's the experience the psalm is describing. And when we understand that, it makes it harder to walk away feeling pleased with ourselves. I think it's harder sometimes to even relate to this passage because we end up asking ourselves, do I really feel like that? Have I actually been in seasons where I've thirsted for God like that? And I think the truth is that we actually have. Some of us have been there and we've known it. We've felt it and we know what this is like. And maybe some of us are there right now. But really, whether we recognize it or not, I think this is somewhere that we've all been. And actually, I think we end up there more than we even realize. In the book, Pilgrim's Regress by C.S. Lewis, which is the first book that he wrote after becoming a follower of Christ, in that book, he says that we recognize our desires by the things that fulfill them. We recognize our desires by the things that fulfill them. When we feel hunger, we know that it's a desire for food because food is what satisfies it. When we feel tired, we know that it's a desire for sleep because sleep is what satisfies it. We learn what our desires are by that which satisfies them. But all throughout that book, he's exploring this idea of a desire that we all have, but that isn't satisfied by anything in this life. Like going through life with this perpetual hunger, but never knowing about food or having this perpetual thirst that you can live with, but never knowing how to satisfy it, never knowing about water because we want to satisfy the desire. We want to make that feeling go away, but we don't know what the desire is for. And so we don't know what satisfies it. We don't even know what to call it or even how to recognize it all the time because we don't know what it's for. And his point is, that this is our desire for God and that it's built into us. It's something that we all have. And actually we see this throughout the Bible. In Genesis, we see that we were created for relationship with God, but then brokenness entered and it created a separation there. So now we live without the very thing we were created for, relationship with God. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says that God put eternity into our hearts We're finite creatures who face the reality of death that we won't live forever. forever. And yet we long for something beyond. We long for eternity. And that's a desire that nothing in this life will satisfy. And then in John chapter four, we see it again with Jesus and the woman at the well. She gets water for Jesus. And then he says to her, if you knew who I was, you'd ask me for a drink and I would give you living water. Water that doesn't satisfy the thirst of your body, but the thirst of your soul. We all have this desire built into us. It's part of what it means to be human, but it's so easy to get it confused because we recognize our desires by the things that fulfill them. And until we've experienced God, we won't know. And then even afterwards, sometimes we still mistake our desire for God with other things. We think other things will satisfy that longing. So we chase after them instead of God. 
It's like eating something salty, like a, like a pretzel with the nacho cheese and the big chunks of salt and hoping that that's gonna satisfy your thirst. It's never gonna work. And actually it can make things a whole lot worse. And so I think a good question for us to wrestle with is this. How has your desire for God been confused in your own life? How has your desire for God been confused in your own life? Or where have you tried to satisfy that desire with something other than God? Because the truth is, until we learn that what our hearts really desire is God, we'll wander around trying to fill that void with anything that we can, anything that we think might help. But that desire for God, nothing else can satisfy it because he put it there to point us to him. And right now, we're in a season where a lot of those things that have a tendency to distract and confuse us around this desire, they've been stripped away. And so for a lot of us, this really is an opportunity to seek the true object of our desire, to search for God like the deer searches for water in the heat of summer because our souls long for him. And as the Bible says in many places, if we search for him with all our hearts, we will find him and we'll find our satisfaction. Thanks for listening today. I hope you're doing well. We'll be back tomorrow with another short devotional. So stay tuned.